Hello, you're watching the Lay Novel Esprit video series on the theology of the body. This episode is dedicated to audience 14. We are your hosts. I am Jeremy Hossarder. And I'm Guillermo Moreno. All right. In this audience, we are continuing our discussion of man in the dimension of gift. And in particular, we are talking about the spousal meaning of the body. Now, this audience is focused on a particular question. So this is the fundamental question that St. John Paul II asks at the beginning. And it's whether did the first man in original solitude live according to gift? And then he goes off and begins kind of a quick review, talking about how the first man was alone, original solitude. This state was a lack of good because man did not have a help. And all these experiences led to the insight that man is not like animals and that animals cannot offer the basic conditions required to be in a this relationship of reciprocal reciprocal gift giving and it's with these ideas in mind that we can now turn to the audience um guillermo yes do you have anything else you wanted to add to that quick review not quite to the review but to, but rather to the first paragraph in audience 14, because JP2 refers to a concept that is inarguably related to the concepts that we looked that we've looked at in original solitude, original unity, original nakedness. If you look at paragraph one, several lines down, he talks about original happiness. Oh, I thought yeah. that that was worthy of pointing out. Because right. he doesn't elaborate on, on it like he does with the other ones, but he mentions it nonetheless. Original happiness. Yeah. Maybe we'll find something in this audience. Maybe. We'll have to find out. Uh-huh. All right. We'll keep happiness in the back of our minds. Yes. Keep happy thoughts and move on. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Alone, gift, and help. So... This fact that man is alone, and I guess we could say in search for a help, right? This idea, these two concepts of alone and help are key for understanding the essence of gift. Gift reveals the very essence of the person. The fact that man is alone means then that man has not completely realized his essence as a person. There is a lack because there's, he has not discovered a help fit for him. So this then is a realization that man can only complete his essence by living out this gift, by existing with a someone, by existing for a someone. And the, 
these ideas of existing with and for a someone that completes man's essence leads us to the notion of a communion of persons. Where if we recall, the communion of persons is that reciprocal relationship of gift giving where the man gives himself to the woman and the woman gifts herself to the man. Hmm, I just still don't say anything about happiness here. Do you have anything you want to add to alone, help, and gift? I do not. Okay. Let's see here. Ah, there's happiness. All right. The beatifying function of gift. Now, if you're not paying attention, like I was when I first read this, you may not notice that the term beatifying is not the same thing as beautifying. So let's make a note here. Beautifying. And then we have our beatifying, then we have beautifying. Right here of beautifying, you got this U right here. And that makes a significant difference because beautifying, underlined in, I don't know, that's either orange or red, that is like making something beautiful. But beatifying over here in purple, that has to do with happiness. It's describing a high state of happiness. So this communion of persons that fulfills our this state of original solitude beatifies the persons. It instills happiness. And our evidence for this is the fact that the first man stated that here's a helper fit for me. She is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. This is a statement of his self-consciousness of being happy. It's a discovery of a woman and the communion of persons, the discovery of a helper fit for him. And the this fact of the woman and her creation beatified his happiness or beatified his existence. And so St. John Paul II calls us the first moment of joy. I guess hmm, I should have phrased that better on the slide. We should have said the first moment of joy of man. So let's see here. Let's just scribble this out. Delete. That sounds better. May, may I interject a little bit? Yeah, go ahead. In terms of the word beatifying, I'm sure that it's the verb version of the word beatitude. That's if you right. Recall, yes, correct. The beatitudes are uh, consist of the blessed are those who this and that for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so for that, that sermon on the Mount that Jesus gives in Matthew five through seven, uh, here's the thing. Um, I remember going through the Beatitudes for the first time as such, if I'm not mistaken, in this morality textbook that we used, the author was Servi Pinkers. And the book is called Catholic uh, Morality, the Catholic View. The reason, contextually, the Beatitudes were talked about in terms of the question of happiness. 
And real quick, considering that Jesus says, blessed are those who do this or that beatitude. So I've heard that another way to translate the word for blessed is happy. Happy are those who come, who fulfill this or that beatitude. And the only thing that comes to mind concretely is the mass. So I've heard some priests um, after the Agnus Day, he'll say, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to this supper. We usually hear blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb, but I've heard this other translation as well. So yeah. there's that connection with beatifying, beatitude, and happiness, and blessedness. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Guillermo. I appreciate Thank you. That very much, just connecting. We got the Mass. Yes. We got the moral life. Um, yeah, just a couple... I guess a couple more details to tack on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pink Hairs, as you mentioned, um, is a great book. Right, the one you mentioned, it's The Morality of the Catholic View. You know, that's a great short introduction. I love it. If, if you're interested, he did write a much lengthier treatment on Catholic moral theology called The Sources of Christian Ethics. And I've heard that he was kind of the ghostwriter for St. John Paul II's encyclical, Veritata Splendor, his encyclical dedicated to moral theology, which itself is a very worthwhile read and very important to understand the church teaching on very on several hard topics. I've shared that Veritati Splendor is the best book I have ever read. Than the Bible? Uh, well, no. <laughs> and I have read the Bible, so I well, no. In that in that respect, no. Uh, I'm messing with you now. And the, okay, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I have to ask the obvious question now: Is mm. it better than the theology of the body? You know what? <laughs> I want to say so. That like I, like I. <laughs> I think the theology of the body is more specifically about why we are created man and woman, whereas the splendor of truth, very tati splendor, it's more of a general explanation of who we are and who Christ is. It, it, it's the adequate anthropology that the theology of the body is, is it's not specifically what very tati splendor addresses. That's true. I think in some ways we can say it's presupposed. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? No, they're both equally excellent. Of course they are. But very Tati Splendor. um, You know, I read it in a few days and changed my life. Yeah. All right. And real quick, Jeremy. Yeah. What was the other Pinker's book that you mentioned? Um. The Sources of Christian Ethics by Catholic University of America Press. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, it's a short book. It's under 500 pages. Thank you. Yeah, let's see here. Oh, 
one other kind of linguistic connection with beatify is the fact that one of the stages in the canonization for sainthood is blessed. Mm-hmm. And we say that the person who's become blessed is their beatified. And that process is their beatification. Yes. So that's another connection between blessedness, heaven, and beatifying happiness. Right. There's a, another church document called Church Drugs and Drug Addiction that states um, Christianity is the religion of happiness. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's essentially what it said. I think that's a very true statement. If you want to be happy, become a Christian. Now, to come back, this beatifying function of gift belongs to the mystery of creation. It belongs to the mystery of the creation of man and woman as persons with the spousal meaning of their bodies and this communion of persons. So happiness is an attribute of this gift and it's rooted in the mystery of creation. So there's something about creation that should make us happy if we live according to the reality of that creation. All right, let's go ahead and delete our doodles. You have anything else you want to say, Guillermo, before we move on? Nope. All right. So happiness. All right. The body and gift. Well, I'll start with this nice quote. So begin quote. If we dealt with sex without persons, this would destroy the whole adequacy of the anthropology that we find in Genesis. End quote. I wanted to quote this because it's a very important principle. We've mentioned it before. And it's this idea that you cannot separate personal identity of, of man from sex. And by sex, JP2 is restricting that term to masculinity and femininity. It has no reference to the conjugal act. JP2 will use the conjugal act to refer to the thing between a husband and wife. So you cannot separate the body and its masculinity and femininity from the person to do so introduces a kind of dualism, a separation between the body and the personal principle of man, his subjectivity and interiority. And it's that kind of dualism that John Paul II is emphatically rejecting. And it's this kind of dualistic mentality that our society has today. And it's partly why we really have just trivialized sex, both in terms of masculinity and femininity, then if we break with um, JP2's terminology, just talking about the conjugal act, right? This 
rupture between us and identifying our bodies as part of ourselves has led to a lot of misunderstanding of how we use our bodies, how we use our masculinity, how we use our femininity. And JP2 is, of course, going to develop the ethical consequences of this analysis much later. So let's see here. The body then manifests the communion of persons. It expresses masculinity to femininity and femininity to masculinity. And this is done through gift. And so we have an important point that I've bolded here. Gift is the fundamental characteristic of personal existence. Gift is the fundamental characteristic of personal existence. So the body then is a witness to creation as a, in its status as being a gift. And the body as a witness then is a witness to God who is love and is the source from which this dynamism of giving comes forth. So the masculinity and femininity of the body then is the original sign of creative donation. The man and woman, they become aware of this gift status as something went through, through their masculinity and femininity. Let's see. Did you have anything you'd like to add about body and gift, Guillermo? I do not. I was tempted to refer to the Second Vatican Council regarding oh, yeah. the gift of self. Yeah, that's going to come up in the next audio, okay, actually. Perfect. Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, and that that is a very important point. You're thinking Gaudium et Spes? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So for the interested um, listener, in the next audience, John Paul II will cite Gaudium et Spes 24, paragraph 3. And we will talk about that at the very beginning of the next episode. So stay tuned. All right. We'll go back to happiness now. This beatifying function of gift leads to the discovery of the meaning of the body as spousal. So the happiness that we discover and encounter through the body, this is a discovery of the spousal meaning. And evidence for this is found in the three verses of Genesis 2, verse 23 we have this revelation of joy and happiness over the fact that there's now the creation of male and female where a man discovers a helper fit for him. Verse 24 reveals and describes original unity as a community of per communion of persons. And this communion of persons is manifested through the conjugal act. Then in verse 25, we get that we are told that the first man, first woman are naked without shame. 
And JP2 says that all these facts combined together reveal the spousal meaning of the body. And so we can now pose a question we asked at the beginning of the audience. The first man and woman, in fact, had this consciousness of, the, of this giving through the experience of becoming a reciprocal gift to each other. The fact that they were naked without shame gives testimony to this nakedness. Do you have anything you want to add, Guillermo? I don't. Okay. We'll continue on then. Let's see here. So, further reflections on Nora. So, in audiences 9 and 12, we learned that there's an inalienable norm that is essentially personalistic. And now we get a few vague more details. So, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 tells us that the masculinity and femininity of man is ordered towards an end. And this end is found in the life as spouses and parents. The conjugal act, this one flesh union, is an ordering of humanity under the blessing of fruitfulness. God commanded man to be fruitful and multiply. This is a blessing of his. And so the conjugal act, the communion of persons is an ordering towards this divine blessing. Um, I guess one thing we should point out is the term end, right? So we need to make a distinction between means and ends. If I am hungry for, say, a cookie, right? the end is eating the cookie. The means is me going to the store and buying a package of Oreos to satisfy that end of eating the cookie. Now, that's just, I guess, uh, I concept of an end in general. When we talk about kind of an ethical end, for, it involves the concept of a moral norm. And this norm we talked about is going to be something inalienable and personalistic. And we have to wait further details as to what this end is, but... This end, we know, has to involve procreation, this blessing of fruitfulness, and acting as spouses and parents towards that. So procreation and parenthood are part of this end that our masculinity and femininity are ordered towards. And I guess just something to keep in mind with this last slide, it's, it's really there to kind of orientate us towards JP2's future reflections, because he's just kind of sketching out in brief and vague brevity what is going to occur, right? So when man enters into being as masculine feminine, as when woman is created, and now man and woman are referred to as Ish and Isha, then we have this consciousness that sex is ordered to an end. And the evidence for this is, again, the fact that the first man, first woman are naked without shame. And this leads to awareness of man's procreative power and a recognition that the first man, first woman, that they're 
have this freedom from the body and sex. So something to emphasize then is this idea that we're not, I guess, dominate, we're not entirely dominated by our body, our masculinity and femininity. That's certainly what some people believe. And JP2 and future audiences is going to criticize that we can be dominated by, say, the sex drive, right? Or the libido, as some psychologists would like to use the term. And the original nakedness found in the first experiences of the first man, first woman is a testimony of this interior freedom. And so you say then that the, this procreative attribute is necessarily connected with the personhood of man. See that, Guillermo? Yep. All right. Did you have any last um, concluding thoughts about this material? I do not. Okay. Well, in that case, we'll just go ahead and call it a video. Thank you for watching. If you have been enjoying our content, please subscribe to our various social media platforms, such as YouTube and whatever else. If you have it into your hearts to support us financially, we would greatly appreciate your money. You can support us through either making a PayPal donation or becoming a Patreon supporter. Your financial support means that we can purchase more books to create more awesome content for you and keep the website running. Um, speaking of which, we have this awesome website. It has lots of great content on it. And part of our great content is our podcast. Um, Guillermo, do you have details about our podcast? Yes. So we use buzzsprout.com. You can listen to our podcast there or use it to access our podcast through multiple other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and uh, Amazon Music. Yeah. Um, you can also just go to the link at the bottom here com slash subscribe and it lists i don't know probably 20 something different platforms our mm -hmm. podcast is on so plenty of opportunity to find it um i guess with that um anything else guillermo no just well yes uh please keep us in your prayers all right yeah yeah definitely yeah Please keep us in your prayers. And I guess with that, goodbye. God bless everyone.